Well, I had to come up with something for today after I finished my series on Ruth, and yet I hadn't been able to teach on something that I've struggled with for at least five to six years. So I uh, gathered it all together. This is something that I have struggled with, as I said, five to six years or maybe even longer and implemented in my life. I know that um, Dr. Stokes says he, he doesn't teach on anything he hasn't worked on for at least one to two years. Yet, I don't have the wisdom as he has or the longevity of his preaching. So, sometimes I struggle or uh, learn and then you guys get it within maybe a year. So, hopefully one day I will say the same thing he has. But today we're focused on a word study. And what I want to do is kind of go through some scriptures and how I study whenever I'm coming up with things and I'm looking closely at the words of the scriptures. So, Dick, if you will, can you hand these out to people? <clears throat> I've actually um, thought about this and there's no reason for me to put my own interpretation on these words, but there is a reason for us to maybe go through some of the word study of pride, proud, and proudly. And look at it within the context of how we use these words and how we look at them today. Because sometimes words actually change over time. But the good thing is, God's word doesn't change over time. So, with this, I wanted to explain how I do my own studies. So, setting up... What I usually do is I find a place in my house or here and I'll gather the books that I really want or really need to have to do a word study. <clears throat> and I'm um, looking at God's scripture at a closer and more detailed area. You got it? Sorry about that. I wanted to give you one. Um, so today what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to set up an area in here and we're going to look at this a little bit more closely. So I'm going to sit down with you guys. And we're going to look at this together. I give you the, the handout so you guys have something to basically write on as we go through this. Your interpretation, your understanding may be a little bit different than mine. But I want you to know you have the same exact translation I do which is taken straight from the Hebrew and from the Greek, if you're using the NASB. Also, the King James Version also gets it as closely as they can from the Hebrew, Torah, and the Greek Gospels. There are other Bibles out there that translate from the King James. So they're taking a translation and translating a new one. So be aware of what you use when you're trying to study God's Word. Come to as close as you can to what it says from the Torah and the Gospels <clears throat> because we're not always... It's not as close if you take it from a translation and into another translation. Okay, what I take to actually study. As I said, I use the NASB and I'll use actually... Another Bible, which is sometimes the King James. I also use the complete Jewish Bible. 
which, by the way, is a translation of the King James Bible. So, but I like to get the Hebrew mindset. And then I'll always have usually my red Bible because that's my go-to. I know where to find uh, the books within a few pages by just flipping it open, which helps me get to it sooner. And then, so I have two Bibles or more. I also use a concordance. Have any of you actually, do you guys have a concordance at home? Good job. Great. Okay. This is very, very important to have when you go to study because you can basically take the scriptures, you can take the address from here and look at what God wants you to look at. Remember, we're going to what? We're going to define what pride, proud, and proudly means by nothing but God's word. What's the authority in our life? How many of you say the only authority in your life that you're going to stick to over time would be God's word? All of us, right? If we're Christ followers, this is the authority in our life. So, we're going to define these words by that. Now, I will usually also have a Bible dictionary or two and an encyclopedia. And then I will also have an American Webster's or whatever kind of dictionary just to see what the world kind of defines it as. So all these things are set out before me. But let me give you this little brief history of what I've learned. I'm going to define it first with this, (coughs) the scripture, as closely as I can. And I'm going to take the dictionaries and the encyclopedia and I'm going to stack them up because I don't want to do it the easy way. This is last. Interesting. When I was at seminary, you would assume that the seminary people would say the same thing. Let's define it by this. A lot of my friends that I met at seminary said, why would I want to define it by this when people already wrote about it in that? I also found that usually within that context, those people had been believers their whole life. The ones that had been believers and called by God to be within worship of our congregations that were willing to define it by the scriptures alone had only been saved, had only been called by God into the kingdom within five years. I thought that was really interesting. Kind of told me that over time, we can actually just get used to the world and go with that. So, but today, we're going to define what proud, pride, and proudly means. The reason why I do this, and why I started to struggle with this so long ago, was because I, I was starting to catch so many people even my own family, and I sometimes was using the word proud just here and there. Even this week, I was at a seminar, and the, the speaker said, I want you to think about your skill set and what you're proud of, and I want you to write it down. Well, because I've struggled with this so long, I wrote what I'm proud of, nothing on there. What I'm thankful for is I've learned this, and I've learned this, 
and that God has allowed me to be able to help other people. By taking these words, defining it through the scriptures, my mind has been transformed. Now, you guys may not walk out of here today thinking the same way I did. That's up to you. Because actually we're going to take a really brief synopsis of what you guys should be doing after this. And that's going detail by detail and scripture by scripture with these words for yourselves. So, um, let's go ahead and start to dig in. You guys have the outline of the scriptures that we're going to look at. Unfortunately for you, you don't have uh, your Bibles marked like I do as we go through these. But, so I'll be able to flip to the address a lot sooner than you. So if you will, go ahead and flip to the first one, which is Deuteronomy 8.14. And we'll start with proud Go on to proudly and pride. Let me explain how the concordance is set up as you guys flip there. So, as you can see, you'll see all the scriptures that use this particular word in it. And on the very right, you see a number of which has the, the root of the word, which can also be found in the very back of the concordance. So I did that. On the very right of this, if you look, I pulled a few scriptures and cross-referenced them with the Greek and with the Hebrew uh, prime root words of them. And one that I'm going to look at actually comes from today as we go through it is 2 Chronicles 32, 23 through 29. And that's on the very bottom here in the Hebrew Dictionary. So when a pastor uses a word within Hebrew or Greek, usually if they they don't know how to read the Torah and the Gospels for themselves, they've used a concordance and they can sound out that that word within the Hebrew uh, or the Greek frame in the English. So for the sake of this one, as I said in Second Chronicles, the reference is 1361b, and that's Gabah. And the prime root and the word of that is exalted, building high, uh, lofty, made, made it high. And we'll see and we'll look at that in a few more verses. But I'll reference that as we go. <clears throat> so let, let's take some time. Let's go through these scriptures and see what God says about proud. Deuteronomy 8.14 And sometimes I'll even take some time And I'll read a few verses before or after if there's a need for context. Deuteronomy 8.14 says, Then your heart will become proud. Let's go up to 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, and have built good houses and lived in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Well, that's not a good one for proud. Because whatever God brings us through... I don't want to forget where I came from. A lot of times if we use proud, 
if that's going to go that direction, I don't want to go that direction because when I look backwards, and I've talked to Bill about this, when we look back, we can see the hand of God which should draw us closer in the future. So, using proud in that way wouldn't be good. By the way, how many of you are open to having your your minds transformed if God's Word shows it needs to be transformed today? Amen. So, let's go forward. Proverbs 16, 5 and 6. By the way, I can remove these as we go, too. All right, Proverbs 16, 5 and 6. I love Proverbs because you basically get the the positive and the negative, or the negative and positive to the Scripture. And so that's why I threw in 6 here. Um, 16, 5 and 6. 5 points out, Everyone who ha- who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned. For and by fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Well, I don't think there's anybody here, and not, surely not me. I don't want to be an abomination to the Lord. So, proud, a proud heart is what the scripture says here is an abomination. But for the sake of looking at a different translation, let's look at the complete Jewish Bible and see what it says. It actually says, Adonai detest all those with proud hearts. Be assured that they will not go unpunished. Wow, I do not want to be in that area. I don't want punishment, I want mercy. So, it's a little bit different in this one, but it's pretty much saying the same thing. So, let's move forward. Another way we don't want to use proud. Um, let's look at Isaiah 28, 1 through 3. And as you can see through this concordance uh, look up that I gave you, there's many more within these scriptures. And usually what I'll do is, I'll, and the great thing about the concordance, it goes from Genesis to Revelation in order. So as you're going through the Bible, you know the next book that it's going to reference is moving forward, not backwards. So that helps us too. And I basically kept the same strategy here as we look up the references until we get to a new word. So again, we're going to Isaiah 28, 1-3. to three. <clears throat> It says, Woe to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim. Wow. They're lo- they want... They're looking to the drunkards who are proud of it. And to the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of the fertile valley, of those who are overcome with wine, behold, the Lord has a strong and mighty agent, as a storm of hell and tempest of destruction, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He has cast it down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim is trodden underfoot. Again, the proud peace of those people was going to be taken down. And for the sake of, of looking at different uh, Bibles, I'm going to read this one to you because of the fact that I wanted to let you know that the, the proud uh, area in the NASB is in verse 3, and this is actually in verse 4. 
So you can see that there's some differences as we reference different Bibles. But within the Jewish, uh, the complete Jewish Bible, it says this: "Woe to the haughty crown of Ephraim's drunks, to the fading flower of its proud splendor, located at the head of its rich valley, belonging to people overcome by wine. Adonai has someone strong and powerful. He comes like a hailstorm." A destructive tempest, like a flood of water, rushing, overwhelming. With his hand, he hurls them to the ground. The haughty crown of Ephraim's drunks is trampled underfoot, and the fading flower of its proud. This is verse four, and the fading flower of its proud splendor, located at the head of the rich valley, is like the first ripe fig of summer. Whoever sees it, picks it, and eats it. Well, I don't want my my gifts and what I'm doing to be picked and eaten, and it looks like the proud here are going to be trampled under. So that's another one that's not good in the proud section. What I did for the sake of argument, <clears throat> the next one we're going to go to is Second Corinthians one twelve through fourteen. I did this for the sake of argument because a lot of times people will actually say that the Bible contradicts itself. So we're going to look at this because it kind of does look like that. Second Corinthians one twelve through fourteen says, "For our proud confidence is this." This is Paul saying it to the Corinth church. The testimony of our conscience. That is holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially toward you. For we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand. I hope you will understand until the end, just as you also partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud, as you also are ours. In the day of our Lord Jesus, kind of looks like a positive for proud there, because Paul's looking to them and he's being proud in them and he's telling them to be proud in what they're doing. Yet, we're going to take a closer look at that. Let's see if Paul is contradicting what we've already studied. Let's turn to Second Corinthians ten, fourteen through eighteen. He says here, for we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come, even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labor, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel. Even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another, but he who boasts is to boast in the Lord, for it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. Interesting. Paul saying, "I'm not going to boast," and boasting usually is connected to proud or pride. Paul doesn't contradict himself because if you look back, he's actually saying boast in what we're doing for the Lord. 
and this little rabbit trail that we're taking right now as well can be found in Jeremiah 9:23 through 24 and I love these little rabbit trails I try not to get off on them too too long but I definitely want to know where Paul's referencing and Paul's referencing from Jeremiah 9:23 to 24 says thus says the lord let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let let not the mighty man boast of his might let not a rich man boast of his riches but let him who boasts boast of this that he understands and knows me that i am the lord who exercises loving kindness justice and righteousness on earth for i delight in these things declares the lord Right there, if you're going to boast, the only thing to boast about and what Paul even references is what God is doing in somebody's life. And that's what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 1, 12-14. Saying that we take pride or we're proud of you. Basically what, the, what God is doing with you. But in nothing else does he speak of. So, for the sake of proud, that's what I've found. Let's move on to proudly. That's a very brief section in here. So I only pulled a few verses. 1 Samuel 2, 3. Let's look what, see what it says about proudly. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with Him actions are weighed. Let's go back a few verses to see the context of this. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more. So very proudly. See, we have boast and we have proudly together. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. Hmm. Don't let any pride or proud areas come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with Him actions are weighed. Let God's Word only speak highly of things whenever it's of Him. Right? There's other scriptures that point out, let others speak highly of you, but don't speak highly of yourself. So here we see Hannah saying, I'm not even going to allow the, the words of arrogance or pride to come out. Let's move on to 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 4. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as it is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance of faith and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Again, this doesn't contradict anything. It actually is speaking of Paul saying, we are proud of you 
and your endurance. Just like we could say of our church family, our brothers and sisters in Iraq right now. They've had to flee Mosul, but they're leaving and they're not denying their faith. I'm proud of the one woman that was in Sudan who did not recant her faith because it's within the context of the Lord. It's within the context of somebody speaking up or living out their faith. Here as well is what the Scriptures are saying. If we're going to let the Scriptures transform our mind and how we use these words in our speech. Let's look at pride, Leviticus 26, 18-19. If I'm looking at references usually within the Scriptures, I definitely want to see the Torah involved when I'm looking closely at words. So Leviticus 26, 18-19 says this, If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will also break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent unless uselessly for your land will not yield its produce and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. Interesting, let's read that one verse with pride, 19. I will also break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. He's going to, he's referencing here, who had a mighty army. God can take a nation and break them down. There was, you know, there's reference within the scripture of God saying, that's too many people. I'm going to only use less than that. And it broke it down all the way to 300. And they were fighting thousands of men. And the 300 won. God says here, I can break down your pride of power. Our country has a great pride in its military. Yet if God is not with us, there's a lot of people that come up, can come against us. And yet we're seeing that today within the United States of America. We're not as mighty as we used to be and we're not as godly as we used to be. We need to return to that. Our presidents and all of our men need to realize we need our faith and we need our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if we're going to continue to be a refuge to God's people. Moving on. Second Chronicles seventeen six. <clears throat> he took great pride in the ways of the Lord again and removed the high places and the Asherim of Judah. So he took pride in the ways of the Lord again. That is Jehoshaphat, if you look. And he does away with everything else. And he removed the high places of the gods that they had worshipped. And he was taking pride in the Lord. That's why we know, and from the chronicles in the books about Jehoshaphat, he was built up because he said, we're going to do away with these other gods, and I'm only going to take pride and do what God tells us to do within his Torah and what they found at that time. Let's go on to Hezekiah, though, a few 
passage is up in Second Chronicles 32, 23-29. Let us stop, though. Turn your papers over. And right there, on the very bottom, as I said, you can look up the, the root word, or the root meaning, in the back, because all these references are on the very right of the words. So here... We see, look down to Second Chronicles, right? We're in 32, so, and we're in Pride. And we see here, actually you can't see the number on that, can you? Well, take my word for it, it is 1361b. And the word, prime word, or the root word is Gabah, within the Hebrew context. It means to build up, build high. Let's see how it's used here. Second <clears throat> Chronicles thirty-two twenty-three 23-29 As many were bringing gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and choice presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nations thereafter. Remember a few verses ago? We were looking, whenever you're living in your land and God is continuing to bless you, it's easy for your heart to build up with pride. And it goes on to say, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received, because his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Because of his pride, the wrath of God is upon them now. However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come on them in the days of Hezekiah. We've got to constantly be aware of what God's word says and what we do within ourselves before we are built up too high and think too highly of ourselves. Hezekiah, even here, says he had to humble the pride of his heart. If he had to do that, I would imagine I have to also do that. So keeping that in check as well. Okay, going on to Psalms. You can't get past a word that's not in Psalms. So Psalms 36, 10 and 11. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the doers of iniquity have fallen. They have been thrust down and cannot rise up. Or uh, David here, he's already had his fall. He's already had his pride built up and he knows what it's like and here in verse 11 it says not let the foot of pride come upon me he's asking God keep me humble so I do not build myself up again I do not want to speak too highly of myself for it comes from you father mark 7:22 let's look at what Christ says about pride We're going to start here 
in uh, 21. But before we do, I'm going to explain this setting. Basically, uh, Christ is giving a parable about somebody that's an owner of a land, and he's uh, talking about one of the other workers that's coming to him who has already agreed for the amount that they agreed upon working that day, and another worker actually has uh, is giving the same amount even though that next worker didn't work as long as the other. So let's look at what Christ says. For from within our... Uh, out of the heart of men proceeds the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, idolatries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Sometimes I think we don't sit here and think about all these individually and say la, right? The Bible talks about say la, sit here, ponder it. But we're going to go off on this goose chase and you're going to see what I just talked about. You see Christ talking about pride and foolishness being that of the evil deeds. But in Mark 7.22, I'm going to read from, uh, I'm sorry, it's Matthew 20. Matthew 20, it's kind of like I said, a goose chase sometimes, but that's okay to get a little bit more information and understanding. And what we just read out of Mark 22, if you have the side columns that do the references, this references Matthew 20:15 and what it means here. It says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what I is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. I'm going to go back a little bit. Like I said, I try to read within context if I don't quite understand it sometimes. So let's go to start at 10 to kind of understand this a little bit more in the reference to that of Mark 7:22 first and pride. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarii? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious? Is your eye proud? Because I am generous. You see, it continues. If you do this little goose chase or rabbit trail sometimes, it gives you more understanding. And from that passage, that Jesus is talking about and giving a parable for, it comes from that of Deuteronomy 15.19. Or 15, let's look. And it's actually 15.9, I think. Let me look here. Yes, it's from 15.9, so if you cross out 19, it's actually 9. It says, Beware that there is no base thought in your heart, saying, 
The seventh year, the year of remission, is near, and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. You see here, it's the sixth year, and in the seventh year, the commandments teach us to forgive the debt of anybody we've loaned money to. And he's saying here, and what Jesus is referencing, is this passage. Do not hold back from giving to somebody in need. And it's coming from the Torah. Last but not least, let's go to 1 John 2, 15 and 16. And it says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The boastful pride of life is not of the Father. So, we have looked at what the authority says about pride, proud, and proudly, which actually I didn't even know was a word until I started looking in the concordance of proudly. And we can know what God's meaning behind the root words are and what He means by pride and proud. Are we using them within the context of what the Scriptures say? Are we using them within the context of what the world has gotten us into? That is what we need to be aware of because we're we're told to be, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So what's God tell us? No matter what Doctor Stokes says, no matter what anybody else says, if we take it from the scriptures we can be assured that we are aligned with our Father. This American Dictionary defines pride as this, high opinion of worth of oneself, and that associated with one. goes on to say that pride or proud is having pride, arrogant and proudly. We should be striving here at the Disciple Center to not use words incorrectly. We do not want to have to go and teach our children or have our children actually say that we have taught them the wrong ways. We need to be like Jehoshaphat and say, what's the word of God say? I'm sticking with just that. Even if other people outside of us in the churches, or in the synagogues, wherever it may be. If we find something new, we need to actually explore it with other believers, as I'm exploring it with you today. Don't take what I've taught today to be my own words. Take what I've copied for you. You have the whole reference within the concordance to go home and reference all the scriptures to see if what we've talked about is accurate. Yet we do not want our children to continue to pass along words and using them in the wrong way. 
we need to make sure we're referencing the scriptures. And the reason why I did this so long ago, because you guys all know I'm in the counseling field with families and couples. And I kept hearing, I'm so proud of my child. I'm so proud of so-and-so. And then a few months later, they would come back and say, my, I was so proud of my child. They actually graduated college. Great thing. And then they're back in their home a few months later because they can't find a job. And they're not feeling as proud about that college degree anymore. Because guess what? That person that has that college degree maybe built up so much, they're not willing to take any job that could pay for bills. We can't take a college degree and build up ourselves where we won't be a stalker at Stater Brothers. We won't work and sweep up the floor somewhere else. If we can find a job, we've got to take that pride and set it aside and humble ourselves. And that's what I have found. Another thing that I've realized, as I said, I've studied and implemented this for several years. I know um, Dr. Lewis doesn't like self-esteem. He, he just doesn't believe in it. Well, I'm very similar to that of proud pride and proudly. I won't use it to talk about my daughters because I think I have to use more words to engage them if I take that out. And I have found that if I take out pride and proud out of my vocabulary, my emotions that I'm using to describe it is a lot more accurate. And whenever I do this, I find myself recognizing God's hand in my life a lot more. So when I say, Rebecca, I am really happy to be your father because you've done something well. Or when she grows up and hopefully she goes to college and she graduates. I am so thankful that you've chosen this path. It's her doing, not mine. I'm thankful that the Lord is using you or can use you in this way. I'm proud that the Lord, and I'm grateful. Actually, if I take it out of all my vocabulary, I'm grateful that He chose me and gives me a desire to know Him and want to study His Word. That is something that only comes from Him, and I cannot take pride in that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.